Okay, today, May 8, 2012. I don't know of any pressing announcements, so let's just prepare ourselves in our usual fashion, have a few moments of silent prayer, rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for providing for all our needs. We thank you for the rain we got today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here to feed upon your word, the great system of perception, everything that's needed in order for us to continue to grow in grace and knowledge. So we pray you will help us to focus this evening, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now this would be a good time to get a pencil and paper. We're going to do something that I told you last time we would probably do. I take too much for granted. I thought everyone knew how to use the computer enough to search for things. And a lot of you don't even know where the binoculars are. I want to show you where the binoculars are, how to get them, how to keep them there, and how to use them. Because they're invaluable when you're studying. When you're looking for something, this particular icon will search the entire document And as many times as you put in something, a word, it's going to go and find every word in that document. And it will save you a lot of time and will help you pinpoint. It's not how much doctrine you have stored in your computer or that are written down in your notes. It's how much doctrine do you know. And when you don't know uh, exactly or you want to be refreshed with regards to a doctrine, how long does it take you to find it? A lot of people just give up because they can't find it. So this is going to be invaluable to to you if you have a computer and you use it. If you don't have a computer, well, maybe someday you will join the rest of the human race. (laughs) Get out of the dark ages and get one. So here we go. Now, (laughs) Garth is back there taking notes. Okay, now you might want to write these things down because I can guarantee you you won't remember them until the end of this message if you don't write them down. What we see here at the top, oh, we don't see anything yet, do we? Okay. What we see at the top here, these are called toolbars here. And they're just nice things that you have up here instead of having to go up into this menu and bring things up and look for them. These have certain particular functions that help you do something just with the click of a, of a mouse. Like this one right here opens up a new document. This one opens a file. This one saves your file. Uh, this one is a print check, print preview, spelling check. If you don't have that one, <laughs> mine, by the way, is wore out. Yes. Yes, this is Microsoft Word, and it's on a PC. Now, if, and this is like a, a 2007. If you have a 2000, it will, it will be essentially the same uh, look as this. Uh, I recently got a 2010 Microsoft Word, and it will look different from this. So if, if, you're, if your computer doesn't look like this and you still would like to have these things, let me know, and I'll sit down and show you how to do it, whatever type of program you have. Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's Microsoft Word 2007 is what this is. So here's, here's I, I might show you a few of these other things as we go that, that will help. But first of all, you can customize these toolbars and put any of these icons to do whatever you want on it. 
And so what we've been discussing, what we ended with last time, were the binoculars. Now, this, the binoculars is just a little icon to show you how to search for things. So, you notice you don't see any binoculars in that toolbar, do you? So, this is how you get the, the toolbar, I mean, the binoculars on the toolbar, as well as these other icons, whatever, what you, whatever you want. You probably don't have them on there. So, the first thing you do is take your mouse and you go up to an empty section, just like you see, see the mouse up here in this empty section in this toolbar? You see that? You right-click it. You use the right-click function, and this menu comes up. See, I have three toolbars open, standard, formatting, and web. You can have as many as you want, but usually two, one or two or three will suffice. What we're going to do is go all the way down here to the bottom where it says Customize. So we're going to take our mouse and go down to Customize, just the bottom one. And when you click on that, another menu opens. Now to get that, remember we went into just a blank space on our toolbar, right-clicked, and we hit all the way down where it says Customize, and this will come up. Now what you see here on the, on the left are the features that you see up here. And each one of these features have icons in them. Now I happen to know that the, that the icon that we're looking for, the, the binoculars, are in the edit menu. Okay? Right now we're in the file menu. And just like I have a new, if you want to bring up a new, a new document, instead of having to go through a rigmarole, I can click that and a new document will instantly appear. See here it is right here, new. That's where I got it from. Okay, so we're going to click on the edit over here in the categories. We click on edit, and you'll see that these all change because there's a new, uh, different icons for each of the categories. So you click edit, and these come up. Okay? By the way, these are uh, undo. See, I have an undo and a redo here. Whenever you do something, and, every, and it goes... <laughs> You don't have to panic. Just hit the redo button and it'll go back exactly where you had it before. <clears throat> Here's the copy and cut and paste deals. We're going we're to just scroll down a little bit here in this. See, you see the different ones. And there's the binoculars. You see them right here? Now, that's what we want in order to search our, our whatever, wherever you are. You can be in a Bible. You can be in a, whatever document it may be. You can type something in it and find whatever word you want. So the way to get these binoculars up here in this toolbar, this is what we're going to do, and this is how you do it. You take your mouse and you put it on here like we have it, and you click your left mouse button and hold it. That's what I'm going to do. I've clicked it with my left mouse button, and I'm holding it. See how it turns blue here? And then I'm just going to hold it and drag it up here. And you see how that little black vertical line comes in there? Wherever you, wherever you want to put it, where that black line is, where it's going to put it. Now, I'm still holding my left mouse button. I let go, and look what, look what appears. There's the binoculars. Okay? Now, we're going to go over that again from the start. <laughs> it's not hard. Okay, so if we want to add an icon to our toolbar so that whenever we want to search for something, our binoculars are right there, we go up to this part that's blank, we right-click, we go down to Customize, 
this menu opens up. You can just scroll through here in, in each one of these, like in the file. This has a lot of really good uh, save, uh, all these different things that it has. But we're going to go to edit. Now, what I just did applies to anything in these commands, any of these icons that you want. You can put them up in your toolbar the same way. So we're just going to go down to where we find the binoculars. What do I do now? Left click and what? Hold it, hold it, and drag it. And I go over there, and if I let go right there, boom, there I have my binoculars. Y'all got that? Okay, I don't want it there, so I'm going to get rid of that. So we have binoculars in the program. Now, when you shut down and bring this back up, the binoculars will be there. You don't ever have to do that anymore. They're there. You can use them on any document you bring up. You did it, you did it one time, and now you can use it. So I'm going to go to a, a document that has words in it. In fact, I'm going to go to our notes that we have this evening. Here's my notes. Okay, let's say that I, I want to find a word. I know that the word natural is in here somewhere. For whatever reason, I want to find a word or a phrase or whatever. I want to find it in here, and I don't know where it is. What I do, you want to click, listen to this, click in this beginning of this document. What that does is set it. It's going to start searching from where you click. You can be in the middle of the document, and if you click it, it's going to start searching from there on. But we want to search the whole document, so we go to the beginning and we click it. And then we're going to go up here and left-click on those binoculars, and this dialog box comes up. Okay? And we're just going to type the word in, natural, N-A-T-U-R-A-L. Okay? Now, all you have to do now, see, here's the find. This is the one that's open. We've, we've, we've put natural in there. I think I put natural. I don't know if I... I can't see it. I don't have my glasses on. Let's see. Okay, now, all we have to do now is where it says find next. You're going to click find next right here. Boom. See how long it takes? That's the first time that it found natural in my document. That's not the one I'm looking for, but it, it's there. Now, I don't want this in the way. It bothers me, and it bothers you too. So you just go up here to this X, and it closes it, and it's gone. You don't see it, but it's still there. Now, it's found natural one time. For all I know, that's the only time there is in a document. But I want to make sure there's more, uh, if there's any more. So these two blue, in, in your processor, you'll have two blue arrows. One pointing up, one pointing down. We're searching from the top, of, from the beginning of the document down. So we're going to click on this blue icon right here, and it's going to search the rest of your document for the word that you put in. In this case, it's natural. So I go over here to this blue arrow, and I click it, and whoop, there's it, there it is again. This time it's in supernatural. See that? Anywhere the word that you put in there is, it'll show it. We'll go again. There's natural. I think that's the one that I, I just scrolled down and saw the word natural. Now, if I was wanting to know where natural was in a sentence, there it is. But it might be in there again. I don't know, so I'm going to click again. That's it. When it's done, it's, it's finished. When you click and there's no more in that document, it says, Word has reached the end of this document. Do you want to continue searching at the beginning? No, we already started at the beginning, so we don't have to do that. 
So all I do now is say no, and you search your document for what you had. You got that? Now, if I want to go up, and I do, I want to go back up to the beginning of the document and search for another word, what's the fastest way to get to the beginning of a document? Control, you hit the, that's the far, that's the bottom left-hand corner of your keyboard is a, a little button that says CTRL. It stands for control. You hit that control button and hold it, and then you go over to the, the button on towards the right of your keyboard that says home. Watch what happens. I'm holding control, and I hit home. Look, boom, instantly you're at the beginning of your document. What if I changed my mind and wanted to go to the end of the document? What do I do? I hit control and hold it, and you have a, you have a key that says end on it, and I hit end. There's the end of my document. I'm still holding it. I've changed my mind again. I want to go back to the beginning of it. I just go back to the home. and I'm, that's, that, I'm just showing you. That's the fastest way instead of scrolling. You can take the grid over here and pull it up, but that's the fastest way to do it. Are y'all, do y'all, are y'all getting that? All right, this time, I want to find a phrase. That was just finding a word. But it would also find a phrase. Two words, three words, five words. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, let's, let me think of one that might be in here. Let's say, um, let's just put, and now. And now. I don't think it's in there. But how, how would I find out? What do I do to find a word or a phrase? Somebody tell me. I'm looking, I'm at the beginning of a document. Yeah, I go to binoculars. I'm going to go up here to binoculars and bring it up. And I, I let's see, um, I'm going to turn this off because I'm going to find a phrase that's there so it won't. <laughs> in what? In ages? Okay, let's put that in there. I'll bring this back up so you can see what I'm doing here. Okay. Natural is in there. You just take your cursor and click in that, and you can either delete it or I just backspaced it out, and I'm going to click within quotation marks. If it's more than one word, you put quotation marks, then you put in ages and close it with quotation marks. That's how you do a phrase. Same way you do a, you go through the same procedure as a word, but only this time you're going to put it in quotation marks. And then I'm going to do what? Hit find next, right? Find it. It wasn't there. <laughs> See how fast it searches it? Word has finished the document and the search was and the and the uh, search item was not found. So what I'm gonna do is find one down there just to show you how it finds it. See you can go to any doc let's say you have some some notes, some documents on here. Let's say you want to find if Lordship was salvation was in your document. You want to learn something about Lordship salvation. You would just take and put, bring, hit the binoculars, put in quotation marks, Lordship salvation, and hit go. And it will tell you in a fraction of a second if it's there. If it's there, it will go to it. And you can see if that's what you want. If not, you hit that blue arrow at the bottom again, and it will take you to the next time it's there. Isn't that neat? You don't have to go through and read the whole thing. 
Okay. Here's what I, I found a phrase. Okay. So I'm going to go up here to the top again. Here we are. Where? It says in the ages. I put in ages. Now I forgot what... <laughs> Now I forgot what I was, what my phrase was. No. <laughs> I could search to see if it was there. Now, Dot, don't talk to me after I get my phrase again. Okay? Okay, I got it. Okay, here we are. We're going to hit the binoculars. And this time, we're going to, you can just, when that's like that, you can just hit delete and it will, uh, oh, just start typing. Okay, I'm going to start with parentheses, I mean, um, quotation marks, show up. Okay? I desperately need to know if show up is in this document. <laughs> I want to find out if anything is show up. <laughs> okay, so what do I do? I got in quotation marks. I hit find next. Uh-oh. Wasn't <laughs> it said it wasn't in there. Well, yes, I can. That doesn't stop me. I got some interference in here trying to come in on this computer. It's there. You know how I know? What did I do wrong? I don't think I clicked at the clicked in here. Let's try it again. Huh? And <laughs> did you see it somewhere? We're not searching Paul's document here. Okay, here, show up right here. So it's got to be there. This only happens when you got a group and it's on the Internet and everything is going like that. And then what did I do? Put my glasses on. Show up. I'm just, oh, I had a... There's a dot before it. See this little dot? What happened was I didn't hit the... Uh, the uh, <laughs> dot, it's all your fault. Now, I get rid of the dot and I hit the quotation mark show up. Now we're going to go find. <laughs> Do what? They're supposed to have quotes. Okay, I'm just going to put show. You can hit enter as well as, well, it's, sh it's, it's showing, showing, uh, showing, showing. <laughs> Aren't I making this simple for you? Okay. All right. Anyway, that's how you use the binoculars. You know how to get them in there. You know how to do a, 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 a there, they'll be there from then on. And when you're in the commands, you go to the commands and you can get any icon you want. One, let me just show you one that I have that I think everybody ought to have. 
See this right here? That's the paintbrush. See that right there? It's called the paintbrush. And whenever you want something in your document to take on the look of something that you've already got there, like let's say that I see where it says plan and purpose here. If I want it to look have the same font size and color and everything that this has, I go to the paintbrush and click it. See how it turns to a little paintbrush? And I, I just gloss over this and let go. Well, I did wrong. See, I just go back here. I'm going to go over this. You don't have to do the whole thing. I could just do one letter if I want to. And I go to paintbrush. And then I, I don't hit any button. I just bring this paintbrush down to where it says plan and purpose and go over it. And when I let go, see? It takes, it takes whatever you... When you hit paintbrush, I mean, when you highlight something and hit paintbrush and bring it down to wherever you want it, the, the, the rest of the document to look like that same text, you just go over it and let go and it'll do that. Okay? Oh, yeah, I mean, that will save you tons of time if, if you want to make something bold or whatever. Uh, now, what do I do? I don't want that. It's here. So what will I do to undo that? I just hit the back undo arrow up here, right here. Then I'm back where I was. That's all I'll show you for right now. But if you use these things, they're incredible. I mean, I don't know how much you're on the computer, but most people are on the computer quite a bit. If you want to copy something, you can just do the same thing. Highlight it and go to the uh, copy, the copy icon. The copy icon is, um, I don't have a copy icon on here. Well, I could put it on there, but I'm taking up too much time. Anyway, you know how to search something now. So if you go to any of mine, by the way, you can do, what I'm going to do Sunday is show you something. We, by the way, did you know that we have the Internet now here at the church? We just got it, when was it, Tuesday? I mean, uh, Sunday. Sunday we had it for the first time. I could click on it right now and the Internet would come up. And the, well, yeah. <laughs> and one thing that's neat is there's been YouTubes that I wanted to show you that would really illustrate something, and I couldn't do it. Now that I have the, the, the Internet, I can just put the, uh, the address in there, that YouTube, bring it up and, and, and show it to you. That's one of the many things that you know, I can use it for. What I'm going to do Sunday is I'm going to go onto the Internet to our website and I'm going to go and show people how to use our website. I mean, a lot, we've had it for years. But it's just like so many things, people only are using a fraction of what it will do. How many of you knew that there is a search engine that is similar to these binoculars that you can search anything in our website? You can put in, if I wanted to put Lordship Salvation in there, in that in that uh, little search engine that's there, and hit go, it comes up with a list everywhere in everything that we have, thousands of pages, and it'll show you every place where Lordship Salvation is found. So if you want to look up something about Lordship Salvation, that function is there. And so anything you want to look on the website, what's the fastest way to do it? Just go to that little command, I'll show you how to use it, and anything that you want to find on there, you can click on there and it finds it everywhere on the website. It doesn't matter whether it's in a visual, if it's in a document, if it's in a PowerPoint, no matter what it is, it's going to find it for you. 
Have you all been using that? See, so... <laughs> I, and I, I get after the teenagers there on the, web, on the um, computer more than any of us. And they, don't, they didn't even know it was there. So these are fabulous tools that we have now in this age that you can put your finger on something that is, you don't have to worry about. You know, we have a lot of information on our website, 20 years' worth of documents. Well, not that long because we hadn't been digital that long, but a lot. And so when, you go, when you're wondering about somebody, somebody says, uh, what do you think about polygamy? Is poly- what does the Bible have to say about polygamy? You go to the website, hit the search engine, click in polygamy, and you'll see over the... Over the, all these years, all these documents, everywhere that I've said the word polygamy, it'll come up and you can see what it has to say about it. Powerful stuff. Okay? I want to show you how to do that Sunday. As well, as, I want you to know our website well enough so that you can tell people who go to our website and they have a question. The best thing to do is not, tell, just don't go to the website. Go to the website, call me, and let me walk you through it. Because there's, it does. we have links we have order forms, we have visuals, we have doctrines, we have things about the church. We, just, we have music, we have tons of stuff on our website that I think people are not using, and it was, that's what it's there for. Okay? Yes. I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. Where's Ken? Can it? Can we do live streaming now that we have the Internet? I mean, I know it takes software and so forth, but since we have it, is that a possibility? Okay. We'll find out. See, I know that there are people out there that this is their church. They are extended members. And they get their doctrine through this website. And if they hear us right now talking about live streaming, they're going to start salivating because it's... It's, it's one thing to go to the website and bring up archives. But when you know that church is meeting at a certain time and it's live, that's the closest thing you can be as, to being there. And it makes you have a lot more self-discipline. Because if you're going to get it and you're going to get it live, this is the time to do it. And you'll, you'll rearrange your schedule. you do whatever you need to do in order to be part of the body of the Christ that's meeting. It just so happens you're not sitting in the next next row, you may be sitting miles away, but we're all meeting together, and it has really some good advantages to it. But like everything, there's some cons, and we'll have to sort that out and see if we're going to do it, But if we have the capability. So I was going to bring that out, but leave it to Doc to let the cat out of the sack. (laughs) I'm just picking at you. That's okay. It needs to be covered. All right, with all that said, are you all ready to get in some doctrine now? Okay. See, this, you're, you're getting a little, little bitty taste of what I have to learn in, the, in order to be on top of the cutting-edge software and technology that we have today. And there's a, there's a little learning curve to learn how to use it, but once you've learned it, at our fingertips is the world. I mean, especially when you're talking about uh, Bible doctrine. And if you can just start using some of these tools, and every once in a while I'll give you another icon, I'll show you a little, another little thing that you can do. And it just makes life so much easier. I mean, we're, we have it at our fingertips. 
So that's why I'm going to take the time Sunday, since we have the Internet, to show people how to use it. And hopefully it will help them to go there more often. And here's the main thing. When you want to know something, you want to know it now. You don't want to... Uh, I've I have, uh, I don't know how many tapes. I, I used to have reel-to-reel tapes when they were before cassette tapes came out from Baraka. Then they came out with cassette tapes. And I, in my barn, I had a whole section of hundreds, thousands of, of these cassettes and lessons. And I would go out there and somebody would ask me something. It's a pressing issue. And I would go out there and I would look at all that information. And I would think, okay, I need to know uh, where is it. I mean, it's there, but I can't find it. But that's no more. The technology is there now that we can show you how to find exactly what you want in the click of a button. The people who have Logos, like Cindy and Vidal and Michael and others, they can do it at one click. And it even tells you how much time it takes to find it. And you can be searching. My my Logos library has over 2,000 books in it. And when I tell it to search my entire library for something, usually it takes less than three-quarters of a second. That's the technology today. And it will give everything that I'm looking for in, in different ways that I can access it and use it. So, Anyway, okay, here we are. Um, we looked at Bible inspiration last time, Bible revel- revelation, and the thing that we really emphasize with regards to Bible revelation is the growing problem of people who want to add to the Scriptures. When the Apostle John penned the last word of revelation on the Isle of Patmos, the revelation for the church age ended. There's no more revelation. God does not speak to people today audibly. He does not speak to them through dreams or through visions. Now, God's message in the stars is still there. It's still relevant. And most of you haven't seen that particular series but there is a message it's like the message in we have creation and we see God's characteristics and his attention to detail and and his genius and his his sense of symmetry and beauty everywhere that we look I mean it doesn't matter whether you go down deep in the ocean or way up in the in the celestial sphere everything in between and boy have we ever seen it this spring haven't we have y'all just Thank the Lord for the butterflies and the flowers. and I mean, it, it's just amazing. Just think He could have made everything gray. Uh, that's one way of seeing the stars is another, but where you really get to know God is through His Word, and that's a closed canon. It's sola scriptura is what it's all about. Now, we came down here to spiritual illumination. Three points or three scripture that is very important on the Holy Spirit's illumination. And the illumination is the Holy Spirit giving a person the ability to understand and process spiritual phenomena. By the way, what do you have to have first before you can understand spiritual phenomena? Now, I'm talking about as a, well, let me just put it this way. As an unbeliever, and we see here the unbeliever is spiritually dead, the gospel is spiritual information. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that to an unbeliever, spiritual things are nonsense. They cannot know them. 
So the Holy Spirit has to supernaturally act as a human spirit that the unbeliever does not have so that he can understand the spiritual information so that he can be saved. That's what these three verses are about. It's very important that you understand that because people have got off. It's been tweaked a little here and a little there and got off. For instance, if you were of the Reformed theology bent, that would be the Calvinists, they understand that a depraved, spiritually dead person cannot understand spiritual phenomena. So, but, but they think, well, what God has to do is actually give you the faith to believe it. Now, that's going overboard. That's going too far. And so we have to realize there is a supernatural action that takes place when the gospel is given. Whether it's received or not, it's God the Holy Spirit that makes that gospel information clear, lucid, perspicuous to an unbeliever. Apart from that, he would never understand the gospel. And why that's so important is that it really takes the heat off of us. Not only does the Holy Spirit make it clear to the unbeliever, his convinc convincing or convicting ministry begins as well. He is convicting. The person understands it and the Holy Spirit convicts this believer that this is true. But God still has given us volition, which means the unbeliever can say, well, I still don't buy it. I'm not going to believe it. But he did understand it. Here's the three verses. first one that we looked at, I just mentioned a moment ago, this is showing you that an unbeliever cannot believe, uh, cannot understand spiritual phenomena. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural man, unbeliever, that's the sukikos man, the soulish man, he doesn't have a human spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually apprised or discerned. He can't do it. And also that's why you don't want to get off on talking about the way to live the Christian way of life when he's spiritually dead because he can't understand anything you're saying. That makes sense to him. Start with the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit convicts an unbeliever with. The next one is in Matthew 16, 15 through 17. Now, it would be a good idea in your Bible or somewhere to put these three down. This is what we call common grace. God, it's common because God does this to every time a believer gives the, un, gives the gospel to an unbeliever. It's common. It happens every time. The Holy Spirit makes it clear and understandable to a spiritually dead unbeliever. And here are the verses to substantiate that. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 17. He, Jesus, said to them, "You do not. who do you say that I am? They were all discussing. Christ said, who do the people say I am? And they said, oh, well, they say that you are uh, John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And so he's asking, well, I want to know what you say, who, who you say I am. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. He couldn't understand it through his normal uh, data-gathering processes of a human being. But my Father who is in heaven, that's the only reason that Peter was able to come to that conclusion because God made it understandable to him. He had to because otherwise he wouldn't be able to understand it. The next one is in John 16, 7 through 11. Jesus, again, is talking to the disciples and He's telling them it's important. It's imperative that I go away. And here's why. He says, <clears throat> But I tell you, you disciples, Jesus is talking, 
I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, here is talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and that's not maybe He would or wouldn't. That's a first-class condition. It means if I go, and I am. In verse 8, And when He comes, He will convince or convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Those are the three things that an unbeliever has to process in order to believe the gospel. Now, he says, when he comes. How long were the disciples? We know that Jesus, let me put it this way. Jesus Christ rose 40 days after the resurrection. He was on earth 40 days in his resurrection body. And he told the disciples, they were in a house, and many others as well. And he said, stay put, don't go anywhere. Because not many days hence, the Holy Spirit's going to come. You know, this is when 10 days later, 50 days, and we call it what? Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit came, and this is what he's talking about. about When he says, and he, when he comes, that would be on the day of Pentecost, 10 days after Christ left planet Earth, will convince the world concerning righteousness, uh, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And those are the three things that you need. Let's press on. First uh, Thessalonians 1.5 is the third one and probably the most clear and easiest to get to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Who wrote 1 Thessalonians? Okay, Apostle Paul is writing Thess- the Thessalonians and he says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only. I mean, sometimes when we give the gospel, you might think, Oh, it's kind of peaked, kind of wimpy, it's just a bunch of words. Not so. He's saying there's, there, when you give someone the, the gospel, you're using words, but it's not the words alone that are going to do the job. He says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That's the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is the illumination, the illuminating process of the Holy Spirit making the gospel clear to unbelievers. Okay? Now, what we've looked at so far here with regards to this doctrine of illumination has to do only with the unbeliever. See the doctrine of illumination? The Holy Spirit making spiritual phenomenon clear? He does that to the unbeliever, and that's what we just went over. Those three verses show that an unbeliever is not left on his own to process this. God the Holy Spirit makes it clear to him, so he is without excuse. He understands it. If he doesn't believe it, it means he cognitively rejected it. Now we're going to look at that same process in the believer. It's not the same process, but I'm talking about the illumination. Now, we all have human spirits. We're trichotomous because we're born again. And we all are able to process spiritual information, but we still need the illuminating our teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even believers depend on the illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit to understand Scripture. Let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now, what is this talking about? 
The thoughts of God, the Spirit knows. But why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is God as well. And he's saying, you didn't receive from us the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Do you see the Holy Spirit connected with this? We can freely know the things of God because the Holy Spirit knows the thinking of God and He is instrumental in training and mentoring us, giving us the ability to understand these things. This is the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, which things we also speak. He was speaking of these things, not in words taught by human wisdom. You cannot understand the things of Scripture with human wisdom. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is great. If you know somebody that is kind of really stuck on themselves and they think they're all that and much more, especially if they think they're, they're really proud of their intelligence, when you go to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says, Who is the, great, the debater? Who is it that is wise? Come forth. This is the same thing he did with Job. Tell me, can you put the constellations in their orbit? Can you keep them in there? Can you, can you keep the seas and the tides going right? And he says all these things. What he's doing is saying everything in our life, even getting the Word, we depend on God for all of it. And we don't earn it, deserve it. That's why the word freely is so important in here. Words taught by us in human wisdom. Where's the word? Oh, here it is. Know, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom. It's not convincing because you're so wise, but in those taught by the Spirit. If you're understanding the things that I'm talking to you about this evening, it's not because you're so wise or I'm so wise. It's not because the, I'm so eloquent and I'm a, such a tremendous teacher. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. I have to be accurate. That's the main thing. But what it has to do with is that the Bible is telling us the Holy Spirit is enabling you to understand this spiritual phenomenon. And it doesn't depend on you and it doesn't depend on me. It depends on God. Now, it depends on you to be here. It depends on me to be here and to accurately teach it. But even that in itself, we can't, we can't grow, we can't go forward apart from His teaching. And then it says, combining spiritual with spiritual. I know it says thoughts here and words, but these are words that are added. Because what the Bible actually says in that verse is that those things taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual with spiritual. And someone put here, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And there's debate over what is meant by that. But when, it, when you have spiritual twice, it's doubled in there. What it's saying is we can't strut about and crow about all the doctrine that we've learned. Now, it's to your credit that you had the positive volition, but you didn't understand because you were so smart or the teacher was so great. The only reason you understand it is because the Holy Spirit, in His grace system of perception, that's what we call it, because the Holy Spirit is there teaching you. If you want to know it, you can go to the heights in doctrine. You can, you can be unleashed and unshackled from the details of life and being worried about all these things because you can have the doctrine to rise above it because the Holy Spirit will take you there. Believers depend on the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit to learn Bible doctrine and to know how to impart it to others. Did you know that? 
I mean, we're not just to learn it. We should be sponges. But what happens when you're going to do some work with a sponge? What do you do a lot of times? Don't you squeeze it out? Huh? Get whatever's in that sponge, whatever it's accumulated, what it really is going to do some good is when you squeeze it and it goes out and then you start rubbing, that's doing some good. If you have a sponge and all it ever does is just take up the water, well, it might clean off the, the counter. But you eventually have to what? Squeeze it. And so that's an analogy to this. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Isn't that great? We're worried about, oh, if I say the wrong thing and all this. But what this verse isn't telling you, I will tell you. You can't say something you don't know. The Holy Spirit is going to bring a doctrine out of you that you haven't learned. It's not magic. You got that? If you've learned the doctrine that's part of your soul, and you go into a situation and you don't know what direction it's going to go, especially if you have to make a defense for yourself, you don't ever know, if you had to go to a trial, if you had to go to a court or something like that, or you had to go before a board or an examining board or whatever it may be, you don't know where it's going to go. And he said, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit is there and He will take that which is in your soul and He will bring it out through you. That's one of His ministries. So don't worry about it. Isn't that a great verse? You know, every time before I come here, I always pray. And one of the things that I ask the Lord to do is take whatever doctrine is in here, whatever is edifying in my soul, and let it come out. Because I don't... Listen, you know I don't always know what I'm going to say before I get here by any means. Sometimes I wish I had a little bit more of a bridle on my own self. But that's what we want. That's the, that's the Lord squeezing the sponge and it will come out. And I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. You know, when we have Communion Sunday, there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot for me to think about. And even before Sunday, on the way here especially, I'm thinking, Lord, just whatever's in me that's edifying, help it to get out. Help me to stay focused. And that's all from that on. I don't have to, I don't have to stay. Now, what am I going to say first? What am I going to say second? What am I going to say third? What if that, you know, none of that. We don't have to do that. But you know what? I can't teach what I don't know. And I have to be prepared. We all have to be prepared. But this is saying, don't worry about all these things because the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, that's not saying He's going to have a Bible class with you right there on the spot. When he says, teach you what to say. What it means is He will draw out of the memory banks in your soul that doctrine that you need and it will come out of your mouth and you won't even have to search for it. It's there. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever been before an unbeliever or been before someone and it was, you knew that you were on the spiritual cutting edge? And they, they may have challenged you on something. And you didn't even have to think. I mean, you were speaking before you even thought and the words are coming out. And it's like you're sitting over beside yourself and you're thinking, oh, man, where did that come from? This is where it came from. If you haven't experienced that, it's, a, well, it's not a hoot. It's... it's Awesome. It's, it's 
awe-inspiring to have to, when you know that the Holy Spirit has taken those things you've learned and they're just pouring out. And you don't have to sit and think about adjectives or anything else. They're there. The Holy Spirit has used you to edify, to help someone else. That's what this verse is about. See, the more you scratch the surface of the Bible, the more you see how much we depend on the Lord and how faithful He is in every little small detail. Isn't that great? John fourteen twenty eight. Excuse me, 26. Thank you. I guess I better put these on. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. See, that's kind of similar to the verse we just had. Now, this is Christ talking to His disciples. And He's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to bring so that you will remember what I said, the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit wasn't going to bring into their remembrance the things that Christ didn't say. They had to already have heard it. And you know what? When you come to Bible class and you're consistent over and over, you don't remember everything. You can't. We're not like computers that can spit out data exactly the way it went in. That's not the way we are. God didn't program us that way. But what happens are you are setting up wheel tracks in your soul, memory banks of truth. And whenever they're needed, it's the Holy Spirit that goes in there, gets that, and feeds it right back out. I know that we all fall short and forget sometimes. But I know also how many times I've been on the front lines and I didn't have to strain. My vocabulary sometimes surprises me. A word that I haven't used maybe in years, and it's right there and it's just right for the case. For, for the, for, and I don't... Where did it come from? I didn't plot it. I didn't think about it. In mid-sentence, I said a word that was perfect that I rarely use. That verse is explaining it. That's how intimate and how infused we are with the Holy Spirit when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and what He can do with that. Psalm 25, verse 8 through 9. God, and uh, uh, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in the way. He instructs who? Sinners. What are we? Sinners. He leads the humble in justice and He teaches the humble His way. Humble used twice there, by the way. I much more have someone that is humble that's not the brightest bulb on the tree than have the brightest bulb on the tree that you can't teach anything. God uses humble believers that are teachable. Revelation 2.11 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What does it mean when it says, he who has an ear? Well, he, of course, he's not talking about these squirrely looking things that hang off the side of our heads. These ears. I mean, every, just there's a few people that don't have ears, but what? Very, very few. He's not talking about physical ears here. What is he talking about? Huh? Volition. He's talking about those with positive... What he's actually saying is, those who have positive volition, let them hear. Let them pay attention to what the Spirit says to the churches. 
Because they are the only ones that are humble and hungry and wanting to know. And that's who the Holy Spirit speaks to with regards to the churches. Now, I'll tell you something that I learned. It just happened to be in the memory banks with regard to this verse. This same expression, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, is used three times in the first three chapters of Revelation. Then, in Revelation chapter, I think it's 17, 16, 17, I'm not for sure, it says, let, uh, he who, uh, it says, he who has an ear, ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And then it ends. Do you figure out why he ended there? Come on now, y'all can figure this one out. The church isn't there. See, it's only in the first three chapters of Revelation that he speaks directly to the churches, and everything is about the church is the first three chapters. And then after the first three chapters, the whole thing changes, and then it's, you're in heaven in chapter 4. Paul is taking it to heaven then. He's talking about something else. And the church isn't mentioned again until Revelation chapter 19 and 20. Everything in between there is when all the hell is going to break loose. Even again, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. But not to the churches because the churches aren't there. I just thought I'd throw that in because it happens to be lurking about in my neuron somewhere. So even for us, we have to have that... And see, you know what? The Holy Spirit is not going to teach you these things or mentor you or anything if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. can't do it. You're not, essentially, you've checked out. You're absent without leave. You don't care. And He cannot teach you anything. It's our volition. Like I said, the only thing that we really have that's so valuable is our humility and our positive volition. Now that is what God uses. And that's what He's looking for. Humility and positive volition go hand in hand. And when they're hungry, He can do all of this. But if, even if you're a believer and you have a human spirit, certainly He's not going to teach people that don't show up and not interested, but even people who show up and they don't want to be here, uh, you know, they're just here, they're not going to get this ministry. They have to be, the power source is being plugged in, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we take time, every time before we... Begin, I take the time to make sure, let's make sure we're all filled with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can be the power source to illuminate us. Because we can't do it on our own. Yes. No, they're not going to, I didn't say they're not going to have the Holy Spirit, but they're not going to have the Holy Spirit the way that we do. How do we know, Here's, this is a good question, I brought, the, the question was, is the Holy Spirit still going to be here for believers during the tribulation. That's right? Okay. How do we know absolutely certain that He has to be here in some fashion? You should... You, you, how are they going to be saved if they don't have the natural, the natural grace? Uh, co- excuse me, common grace. The common grace. They would never even be believers if the Holy Spirit was not... With the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit when common grace has to be here or there would be no one saved because they're 
spiritual phenomenon. And when the rapture happens, what happens? All believers, shoom, we're gone. Nothing but unbelievers left. Were it not for the common grace, ministry of the Holy Spirit, illuminating them to the spiritual phenomenon of the gospel, no one, not one, would be saved. So what about when we're looking at Revelation? I mean, uh, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 2, and the Antichrist is not going to come until he who restrains the Antichrist is out of here. And I took some time explaining to you through the Scriptures, giving you evidence that this was the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is, for one thing, omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is not going to be there here the same way that He is here today. Certainly, the Holy Spirit working through us and what we've been talking about, talking to believers or unbelievers, imparting truth, that won't be here. There has to be another source. It's another reason why you know that we're not going to be here during the tribulation, because if that was the case, why does God have to have 144,000 Jewish witnesses? Why did He have to have the two witnesses if He's got all these believers here that can witness? So that means that the Holy Spirit still has a ministering spirit during the tribulation. We know that because our people are being saved. But the restraining ministry through the church age believers is not going to be there. It's going to be absent. And that's a big deal. I'm out of time. Oh, yeah? Isn't it, doesn't, doesn't it just, I don't know about you, it doesn't matter to me who it is, when I hear something that is truth and speaking dogmatically with authority, it just feeds my soul. I just love it. And I don't care who it is. And, and that's the way it should be. And unfortunately, you don't hear it that often. You know, because so many people aren't being taught the spiritual dynamics of the church age. They're just talking, they, they get cotton candy and... Bible stories, and let's all rah, 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 get, get emotionally all out of kilter here, and that's what they think spirituality is. But the Word, boy, when you hear the Word, it just scratches where you itch. So, well, we'll continue this next time. Let's close. Father, we're so thankful for the grace system of perception that really everything depends on who and what you are and your plan and your system, your grace it's as pervasive as the air we breathe. And for the positive believer, that grace pursues him or her. And we're so thankful for that. Just help us to be humble and help us to continue to have that, that hunger and thirst, that positive volition, that zeal, so that we can glorify you and bring surpassing grace blessings upon ourselves. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.